Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I'm Jennifer Justice. Today, we have the amazing Rachel Krupa. She's the CEO and founder of Goodsmart and Krupa Consulting. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm yes, to thank talk you. With you coming, especially the short before the break. I know everyone else wants to leave. I mean, this to me is not work, so hopefully it doesn't feel like that for you. <laughs> I love this. This was on my calendar. I'm like, yes, it's amazing. So tell us what, let's first start with Goodsmart because it's such a brilliant idea and concept. And if people don't know about it, they need to and look it up and go frequent them right now. Yeah, so the Goodsmart is basically a better for you socially conscious convenience store where we are highly curated with a full of emerging brands, majority from female and diverse founders. Our goal is to actually be a retail partner with our brands um, and to help them with tools so that they're going to graduate from us and go on to Whole Foods and Sprouts and every other retailer. But let us be your one of your first stores um, so that we can help you because. I've been in the brand business now for close to two decades and let's use the resources that my team and I have and really help build this next version of CPG, especially from founders that are female or, you know, from a diverse background. And so how did you start that? How'd you come up with this idea? Um, it was having a PR, PR agency for the past, you know, 13 years, been doing PR for 20 years and working with better for you kind of, you know, CPG brands. And they were just like, I have my strategy. We're going to launch. We're going to go to Whole Foods. We're going to go to a club store. And I'm like, but what about convenience stores? Convenience stores are this, to me, an amazing place to find and discover goods, but also in the need of get from A to B. But the better for you section of convenience stores, and this was in 2017, didn't exist. You had Crave Jerky and Cliff Bars, which are great brands, but that was your offering. So yeah. if convenience stores are supposed to be convenient, how are they convenient if they're not containing the products that we want and expect for ourselves as we evolve is just like understanding ingredients and understanding what we need in order to fuel ourselves. And was that always your PR angle, working with these kinds of brands? Yeah. So we have worked with, from a group of consulting perspective, 
um, food and wellness brands for the past 13 years. But then before that, it was restaurants and nightclubs. So it's always been in more of that hospitality sphere. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was really just, you know, loving that and just being like, these brands are so amazing because from a PR perspective, we mostly work with startups. And you're like, how do you help this founder achieve their goals? How do you help them launch? How do you help them reach more consumers? And that was just like kind of like the basis of the goods too, is just like all these young brands are so amazing and they have these like their sweat, their tears, their energy put into this food product that is super tasty and amazing, but people just need to know about it. Right. Yeah. Because there's a big jump between them selling it direct to consumer and straight to it, like a Whole Foods or an Air One or something like that. Right. Yeah. And think about direct to consumer these days. It's very hard because the the amount it costs to acquire a consumer and a customer now is crazy in regards of just like the ads that you have to spend, you know, all of like the digital marketing that you need to do switching on your website. Right. You might not get a lot of foot traffic or you might not get a lot of traffic to it. You have to do more things and having a digital store, I think, is maybe not as crazy as having a brick and mortar store, but it's not as easy as flipping a switch on. Right. And good. How many do you have? We have three stores now, um, all in New York. So we have Soho um, at Rockefeller Center. And then we just opened up our third store in at the end of October at 11 West 42nd Street and 30 Rock and 11 West are in office buildings with Tishman Spire. So we're working with Tishman Spire and taking over existing newsstands to service everyone above and around us in Midtown. That is amazing. Yeah, it's because you don't always mm-hmm. want to go. I mean, look, sometimes you're like starving and it's like a good excuse to be like, you know what? I really wanted some salt and vinegar potato chips, but like <laughs> I couldn't be seen buying them anywhere else. But this is all there is. Right. And everybody knows about a New York deli. Yes. But this is something so totally, you know, different, better for you. Still a lot of snack food. Yes. I was going to say better for you for us means that it's just like better ingredients. Like everyone has a different level of health. So for us, it's like the kettle chips that you probably want to pick up that are salt and vinegar. They're great ingredients and they're an old school brand. So feel good about yourself of doing that versus like, say, a Lay's potato chip or something along those lines where like the quality of the ingredients are not there. So our base level is no artificial flavors and no artificial colors and non-GMO. But from there, you can have real sugar because we believe sometimes people want regular sugar and that's great. Some people want more monk fruit and stevia and other people don't like that. So for us, it's like curating the products that still have a guilt to them if you consider that guilty, but others don't. So it's like have a bag of potato chips because you want it and it makes you feel good. And so what are those three criteria? No GMO, no artificial flavoring, no artificial coloring. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And then looking at it from like a standpoint of like we have no single serve plastic water bottles in our store because yeah. we want to also look at our part of environmental impact. But sustainable products are also tough because the innovation within packaging doesn't exist yet. So yeah. it's trying our always to be the best. And so how do you find these brands? How does somebody like get to be in these stores? Oh, my gosh, it's so fun. Um a lot of them come to us, so they will come and just be like, we want you to try this product. But then I also believe that it's a buyer's job to search. So it's looking at coffee shops. It's going online. It is 
asking different friends, um, traveling and seeing what are like the cool food trends in other states within the US, but also Brussels has a lot of really cool like snack brands. Um, I discovered a couple in Paris when I was just in Paris. And so it's like finding and asking questions. It's looking at, you know, commissary kitchens and food incubators to be like, what's happening? What's going on? And just like really doing your homework so that you can find what is that up and coming trend that is a trend before a trend within mm-hmm. food. Because yeah. most of the young makers are predicting what this trend is going to be in the future versus what is existing in a grocery store now. And what and uh, of the is it only food? Do you have other products too? Like, you know, you can go to a deli and buy aspirin or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Home goods. Yeah, we have aspirin and like a beauty wellness section too. So we have Genexa, which is like a better for you kind of Tylenol aspirin allergy. So it contains one active ingredient, but all the other ingredients, again, are non-GMO and have no other artificial flavors or coloring in them, which most, you know, medicine does, which is crazy because you think it's healthy because it's making you feel better, but it's full of, you know, filler per se. Then we also have like wellness products like bath soaks and Palo Santo and Sage and, you know, face cleaners and moisturizers, but all like super cool young brands. Um, So give us an example of some of the brands so people can understand what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So we have everything from, you know, Ruby, which is a hibiscus water to, you know, um, Pop and Bottle, which is a coffee brand that has also superfoods and adaptogens and collagen in it. We have... You know, Justin's peanut butter cups that you may know and most yeah. people know, but we also have Gigantic, which is a candy bar that tastes like a Snicker bar, but had seven grams of sugar. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's everything. What we look at is there's a better for you component to something that's there. There's Good Crisp, which is like a better version of a Pringles. But then we have a really innovative new like ketchup and mustard that has a little bit of gin in it, which is crazy. Um, and they come from... Amsterdam, and then a super cool Danish company that is like an olive oil that is like chili or basil. So there's like a array of products and, you know, looking at from a trend perspective, condiments right now are having a moment. People Mm -hmm. love condiments and like are purchasing them because it allows you to cook, but also have a a flavor and flair of something you probably don't know, you know, everything from the chili flake oils to, you know, salsa matcha, which is like a Mexican version of, you know, the Chinese chili flake oil. And I mean, so how do you figure out how all the different kinds of things that you have to have in there to make it like a complete like version of a deli, you know? I think it's like a new version of what that is. Like yeah. the Bodega culture in New York is so incredible and amazing, but the stores are huge. Our stores are less than 500 square feet. Yeah. So it's having a very highly curated selection of in our mind, the best of the best, because we taste and try everything. It's not just about having a pretty package on the shelf, but it really is like, how does it taste? You know, how does this fit within someone's likes or dislikes from like our customer base? But also what is a new product that is going to be on the cutting edge of a trend that we want others to discover so that it's part of your normal routine? Um, And you've never done this before, right? It's not like you've opened a retail or, you know, store direct, you know, Brick and mortar on the no. streets of New York City. Yeah. No, not at all. 
And I love it. This is what I love about this podcast. It's like you didn't have to do it before to ha- to do it, right? You knew brands that were really great because of your consulting, but you're like, there's got to be a different way to do it and then get these in front of people. So all of this stuff is like foot traffic and obviously in the office buildings, like, you know, you have a captive audience, right? It's like... Yeah, we do. And then we have a really captive and loyal following, you know, in regards of just people that love coming in and discovering um, and then share it with their friends. And so what was that experience like? Like um, renting this? Like, how did you know that you could make money or make it work and stay open through COVID and all of those things? I think, you know, Jennifer, this is what I did. I didn't know what I was doing. And I think that's the beauty of sometimes just taking the leap. I'm a believer in once you talk about something for so long, I would tell my friends, I'm like, I'm going to create a better for you 7-Eleven. And they're like, it's a great idea. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And after talking about it for two years, it was either you walk the walk or you talk, you in talk the talk, whatever the statement is. Yeah. And it was just like, I keep saying I'm going to do it. So either I'm not going to say it anymore or I'm going to actually do yeah. it. And <laughs> Your so, friends are like, stop talking about it or invite yeah, me either to do it or not. Opening. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got a line of credit because I've had my PR agency for at that time, you know, eight years. And I got a line of credit from the bank. There was no business plan. There was nothing. It was just literally using the resources that I've had through the PR agency. I'm like, okay, I have restaurant clients. I'm like, who's your contractor? Who's this? Who's that? And it literally was just like asking friends and asking for help. And getting what I feel like is just like superpower of like experts in their field that I'm like, can we do this? Can you do this? Can you help me with this? Can you figure this out with me? And they're like, yes, yes, yes. And so it was, I think it's just like a cultivation of just like all incredible people that I've been able to meet over the years and not having that anxiety to be like, can you help me? I don't know how to do this. And it was really of like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I know this is what I want to do. How do we figure it out? Yeah, that is a great, I mean, I love that you know, story about that, because that is exactly something that I've had like three different conversations about today. It's like asking for help, making sure Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're asking the people who do it. Like, I don't know, this came up in the context of Excel and like some, a deal that needed this Excel sheet done. And it was like, why would I know how to do Excel? It makes zero. Why would anybody (laughs) in my company know how to do it? has nothing to do with what I do. And it is a total waste of time for me to try to figure it out or learn it. Like the people who do it should do it. You know what I mean? Who know how to do it should do it. And it is ridiculous to me that as as particular as you get on in your career to try to do new skills, it's like, yes, you should know enough to know about like, you know, if you're starting a business cap tables and how to raise money mm-hmm. and what each thing means and know what your financial statements are. But that's now part of your business that you own. If that is not like, you know, and it, but that does not mean that you oversee it. You still need the bookkeeper and the CFO or your fractional CFO to do that stuff because that is not what you do, unless that is what you do. But that is not what I do, you know, and so I need people to do yeah. that for me. So starting a business is not learning how to do every position of a C-suite. It is figuring out what you do the best, right? And you were like, I do PR. I know how to market and sell these brands because I'm in wellness and PR and wellness and, and you know, better for you stuff. And then I will do that part, but I will hire and talk to other people about and help them oversee those kinds of, you know, areas that I am not great at, right? 
Yeah. And I think that's like the biggest thing is like, you want to know everything that's going on. And I was just having a conversation earlier today with our supply chain and operations manager. And I'm like, I want you to tell me what I need to do because like, you know this better. You're the expert yeah. and I can give my advice of past history, but at the same time, like we're not going to grow if I'm the one telling you what to do because you're that person. Yeah. You're the Excel. You're like the yeah, person exactly. that has the systems the and they're like the flow charts. I, I don't know how to do that. It's, I think most people have a hard time asking for help. Yeah. because they don't know what that is but it's sometimes just even putting a seat out there of being like you know we need help with like an assistant buyer and like putting it out there and people were like i know this person or i know this or here let me connect you so i think there's always if putting that energy out at least you can have a roundabout way of at least getting introductions to the right humans that can help you succeed yeah. And it's not only that, it's like asking, getting referrals and getting the other people and then hiring them and letting them do their job. Right. And yeah. like paying, you know, you have to pay money to get money. And the only way you're going to do it, if you're using all your time doing stuff that it is not in your natural wheelhouse, that you can't do it in your sleep, you know, kind of thing, then why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. Like, and in the very beginning, yes, you got to like do the, but like ultimately when you realize what you need to do, then hire somebody to do that and, and let them do their job. Right. Um, I love it. And so you've grown. So you, you opened the first one in Soho near, as we were just talking about little Paris in 2017. Is that right? Well, no, our, it goes back farther than that. Um, I opened the first one actually in 2018 got the first building and started building out in 2017, but opened up in Silver Lake in California first. Oh. And then opened up our second location in Soho six months after opening up the first location and not knowing what I was doing with, you know, kind of, you know, store number one, because I've never had a retail store and I was still fully running a PR agency on two coasts, you know? So six months in, it was like, I'm running a retail store I'm running a PR agency and I have another store now in New York and LA. And yeah. so it was a little bit crazy. It was, it was going into the things that you listen to people sometimes and you're like, why am I doing this? Because like you have that energy of like, I can build something, I can do it versus like sometimes going slower and doing it in a more conscious way. And yeah. that was like one of the biggest learnings I think that I've ever had. It was just like, opening up another store because it was the the thing to do because like if you don't grow in scale you don't have a successful company was something that i just listened to people i was like yeah i gotta do that i i can do a business like i'm gonna open up another store really fast where it just landed in my lap was it a great idea at the end of the day immediately no because i it was just a lot of operations again like i'm not a operations person back then i know much more now but it was a good idea now because like our focus is New York and New York with just like the convenience culture that we live in was mm -hmm. a great idea. Yeah. Back then, it was probably one of the worst decisions that I could have made and, and I think probably made the company suffer because there was not a, three, a streamlined system of what was happening. Right, right. But you made it through, right? So... We made it through and it was amazing and beautiful. And it's like a PhD in retail and, and you know, business all in one. Um, and it was a beautiful journey. And then with COVID, it was even crazier because there was no rule book of how do you run a retail store that's considered essential. 
yeah. that we stayed open throughout COVID and never closed. And working in the store every day for you know those two years because a lot of employees didn't want to go to work. So mm-hmm. we was running a PR agency while running and working inside of a store, but also making those pivots so that we could actually do more and make an impact on the emerging brands that fill our store. So we started doing snack boxes that we would send to our customers because they're like, I need my, you know, Bjorn corn. I need the snack that I can't find anywhere else. Can I just give you a hundred dollars and can you send me the snacks that you want? <laughs> and so then that like happened and like an online program like built up. And that was because of just like being able to pivot of what we were doing and e-commerce started because of COVID. But then we also built up our community and are now more of a staple within the community because we were open in every MTA bus driver came in every day. Customers came in because they're like, I want my thing, but your store is small and I can trust you. And then it was just like seeing other humans and being the only other humans that we saw for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so I love the bus It was beautiful. Stopping in, you know. Wow. So what are the things looking back that you would have done differently? You know, this is really, this podcast is really the helping people, you know, learn from it as well. Like what would you have done differently? What, you know? I think it was early on, like people, it was just like friends were like to have a successful business. You need to have multiple locations. You need to fundraise, you know, what is like, how much are you raising? And here's this and here's that. And to me, it was too soon to listen to people, but I am a competitive person. So I was like, yeah, I can do that. And it was, I think, listening to people of what success is, is not always your success. Because like, I think it's going back and being able to be like, what does success look like for me? Do I need to have 50 stores? Do I want 100 stores? Or do I want to have three stores that are more impactful? And the biggest, I think, the mistake was just listening to like what others thought successes because mm-hmm. it's not that is for me, but then you become competitive with everything else. And you look down upon yourself because you're like, I don't have this. I'm not fundraising. I'm doing that. And I think fundraising was one of in 2018 was one of the, the worst times of my life. It was trying to pitch something that I really didn't know what we were yet. Yeah. And so being able to actually have a plan in place to understand what you're doing and more than just, a passion of like what you want to build. And I think that's like something that looking back on it now, it was, it was tough and challenging. And I'm so happy that I went through it because it was like an incredible growing opportunity, but it was challenging because Mm -hmm. you were listening to other people that didn't know your business. They wanted to put their ideas into what your business should be versus sitting in with it. Right. Right. And did you end up raising money? We did a small friends and family round, um, but we didn't finish. It was just like, you know, I'm going to stop now because it was having those conversations and it was harder as a female because some of the things that people would say to you, like I had multiple people be like, have you run a business before? And I was just like, yeah, I have a very successful PR agency, but they'd be like, but a business. And you're like, so what is a PR agency where we helped? What's the difference? We've helped, you know, launch thrive market taste made goop in their wellness vertical but yet that's not a business what do you consider it a business that's and a like, lady oh, business. like having like <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and so like things like that it was just so disheartening mm-hmm. of like having to prove yourself that you are an entrepreneur right. versus someone that just has a pr agency 
Yeah. You know? You're like, oh, that's cute. Or yeah. that's such a cute store. That's so cute. My wife would love that. Yeah. Why Great. is it Send white? your wife and, and uh, with your credit card, we'll take her money, which is, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, 100%. Yes, 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 yes. So we didn't. Um, so we're in the midst of fundraising, actually, come January after the holidays. Amazing. Um, what so are you raising for so anybody who is listening here, VCs, et cetera? You're raising yeah. today? Um, no, we are just doing a pre-seed, you know, friends and family um, looking to raise 1.5 uh, million and, you know, building out like really cool, just like other verticals of the goods, which is fun and exciting. Yeah, I love it. So what are, what are some things that you think you did right without even knowing that you know, quote unquote, what, I think, what you were doing. <laughs> I think it was not really looking at what the competitors were doing so much um, and really going in and focusing on what was right for us. And I think it was sticking with our guns of this is a better for you story. These are our parameters within like that category of non-GMO and artificial flavors, things along those lines and not bringing in products that people were like, these are our top sellers. You should get these because these will drive sales. I think that there was this ability to make it highly curated and like changing the way that we do buy where we buy from a lot of products direct and not just use distributors, which is more complicated on our side, but it allows us to have this breadth of incredible products that when people come in, they're like, I've never seen this anywhere. And it allows us to just pivot. I think the biggest thing that I think I love asking is like, the question why is why can't I do it this way or mm-hmm. why hasn't it been done this way? Exactly. And if you can't tell me what an answer is, then yeah, I'm going to continue to do it. You yeah. know, and I think especially within grocery, it's a lot of this is how it has been done and this is yeah. a system that it is versus being flexible to do it. And you're just, I'm just a person of like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's just keep going with it. And if it messes up, guess what? We learn from it and we can go back. But like, why not try something else? Yeah, that was always one of the things with like Jay-Z and working with him. He was always like, if somebody said we we don't do it that way, he definitely wanted to do it, you know? And I mean, I'm from that school (laughs) of thought too. I mean, I came from nothing and, you know, nobody went to college where I'm from. And it's like, well, I'm definitely doing that. You know, it's just like, it's so funny when people say that you're like, okay, everything is digitized now and we're on smartphones. It's like not even 20 years ago were they around smartphones. Like it's crazy. So things have to adapt and change and that's how we survive. And so when people are like, that's just not how you do it, you know, um, Kara Golden talks a lot about that too with hint water because there wasn't even a place for them to put it. It's a new category, you know, when they started. And so it uh, was super interesting to hear about that too. Yeah. So good for you. You just have to keep going and trust that instinct, which is a common theme on this podcast as well. Trusting your instinct and going like, okay, well, mm-hmm. yeah, this is what we're doing. I don't care that you've told me a million reasons why it shouldn't happen, but this is what's happening. Yeah. Agree with you 100%. And I think that's what great guidance you always give to people, you know, because your sponge and just collect tons of information, <laughs> but also have tried it so much. And that's a, it's, it's a, the beauty thing about your podcasting. It's being able to listen and being able to understand that this is okay. 
And like right. everyone has like similar issues. Yeah, no, that's super. That's true. And, and raising money in particular. So I'm happy that we are, you know, get to be part of, you know, letting people know that you're raising money and in something that it has such a white space. It's like you're walking down the street, your kids are hungry. My kids grew up on healthier snacks, right? So if they go to where we live near Morgan's Market in Tribeca, we go to Morgan's Market. I remember right before we were going over to a friend's house for dinner and they're like, can we get a snack? And I was like, okay, fine. And one chooses veggie chips and another like those harvest snap peas. <laughs> we go to the friend's house. So good. And they're like, well, wait a minute. Like you would get Doritos or like M&Ms and this is what you chose? <laughs> I was like... Yeah, this is what they choose, you know? Yeah, yeah, but that's the direction of like what people are doing that we are doing a lot of corporate pantries now. And there's like different certifications like lead from a sustainability perspective, but then there's well certifications for companies now too that they have different parameters of healthy food or better for you food that needs to go within their kitchens and their pantries. Yeah, And so looking at the list of what was what they were doing, it was all like Doritos, it was Coca-Cola's, it was Diet Cokes, and it was like X, Y, and Z. And they're like, there's like a better version of all of that Yeah, that you can just look at and find these days. And it's just like, I think the our younger generations, especially Gen Z's and millennials, that's their expectation. It's like Doritos might be cool and fun every once in a while, but they're not eating those on an everyday basis. Yeah. But that's like what our generation had. It was yeah. the snack well and like the culture of everything fat free when now we realize everything shouldn't be fat free. No, and no. We should that's have like, like calories and fat. Yeah. My kids age is gen alpha. So that's just what they're brought up with. That's what they're called because they're mm-hmm. nine. And so they that's just what they graduated. I mean, I think they had a Dorito for the first time and maybe they're like seven or eight. And they were like, these are delicious, but we should not be eating them all the time. You know? <laughs> That's amazing. I feel like yeah. I want to just like bring them tons of snacks and like have them try it and get their feedback. Oh my God. They'd go, they would literally, it's a kid in a candy <laughs> store at, at your place. They would love everything in there, you know, cause that's just what they're yeah. used to. So it's awesome. And I love that you're doing that. And I love, so what is it money for? Is it mass expansion? It's like. Yeah, we're building out like a, a, a platform and going in two different ways. We're building out like a, a data side to the company. And then we are building out a team too, just so yeah. that we can build both. Mm-hmm. And then oh, do we, we have haven't really had a team. More ready to open in, in uh, 2023? Not as of yet, because it is this platform that we're building. But then also we are working with a handful of other hospitality groups to help them with their snacking needs, which is amazing because then it gives our reach more than our four walls of stores, but into others that have huge foot traffic and huge, huge visibility too. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that you're going into office buildings, airports, you know, all those things are like really amazing. So it's like limitless what you all can do with it. And I'm super excited for everything that you're doing. And thank you so much for coming on here. I mean, you know, obviously there's much more that we could discuss, but you know, it's the holidays and I'm sure we're all busy, but I do want to ask you the one last question that I ask everybody. And that is what is the worst advice you've ever received? Um, Fundraise when you don't have to or you're not ready to. I think that is the biggest. Um, Because it came with more of the anxiety of this is what success is. It goes back to like what we discussed before. Um, I think it was, it was like advice that came from really great people. So I took it to heart. And to me, that was just, 
not good advice because they didn't know about the business. It was more of like, this is what you need in order to be successful versus asking the question. So it's a little bit around that way, but I think it is just being able to like, this is what you need. This is what you should do to grow. And when people put that energy towards you, when you really respect them, I think that you're like, okay, I have to do this without actually digging back to the backside of like, this is where we are financially. Here's like where that growth of the business is. Here's this and having like the big blanket statements versus diving in deep. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on taking care of lady business. If people want to find you, how can they do that? Um, Instagram, Rach Krupa or email Rachel at the good smart, um, whichever one or LinkedIn. Anything. And does good smart have an Instagram (laughs) as well? Good smart does. It's just at the Amazing. Everyone go check it. Or out. not .com. Yeah. 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 At the good smart on at Instagram. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. Thank you so much for being on here. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of taking care of lady business until next time. I'm Jennifer justice.